welcome back to Okay, You're Done, your favorite lunchtime listen podcast. I'm JR. I'm Ali. I'm loving the lunchtime listen singular. That was beautiful. Only took me four tries. Yep. Thank you. (laughs) Wait, four. No, this is your third try. Give I mean, some credit. we had to reset a couple times in there and I, you know, stumbled and you don't know how many times I practiced off mic. So. <laughs> okay. Got it. Well, um, I, I, I'm I can't, happy for you. I can't endure under your mockery is what I'm saying. So I had to just really step up my game. <laughs> it's, it's too intense, too yeah. painful. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, so Ali, uh, longtime listeners of the show may remember, uh, our summer movie preview episode where we both were convinced that across the spider verse was going to be the movie of the summer. And that time has come. We have both seen it. And so we're going to talk about it today and find out if we were right. But first I wanted to ask you like, what, why do you think superhero movies are such big deals? Like, they're unquestionably these franchises rule the box office you know even a even a quote-unquote bad movie still makes about a billion dollars globally so uh yeah what's going on there okay well i was pretty young like pre-iron man you know that kind of era so i don't exactly remember like the time before superhero movies were destroying the box office um uh, so let me just start with saying that I feel like I can't make a super accurate analysis of this without having I, researched kind of that time period. I will say it's always been true, though. I mean, not to the not to the level that it is today. But you go back to the Christopher Reeve Superman movie from 1978 or 79, and it it did great numbers. You go to the 1989 Tim Burton Batman, and that was literally lines around the block. People like. You know, that that movie was huge that summer uh, to the point that like when when uh, Batman forever, or, sorry, Batman and Robin came out, which was the George Clooney one. It did so badly that it almost single handedly killed superhero movies until you had like Blade. And then you had then you had the Sony and the Fox Marvel movies. So that was when you had the, the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. That was when you had the X-Men movies start coming out. And every time one of those movies came out it did huge numbers. So, I mean, genuinely, I think while while they've certainly escalated with this new, like, you know, cinematic universe sort of thing happening, they've always been things that got the general public excited to go to the movie theater. Okay, that that's a great piece of information there. And also, I have to say, I love movie historian JR, and I would like to have movie historian JR on the podcast more great. over pre- prehistory jr (laughs) it's just it's a little more interesting for me personally but i know the listeners eat the horse stuff and the dino stuff up anyways um i i think part of what's exciting about superhero movies is they can kind of encapsulate different sub-genres within the movie um like each different Captain America movie almost kind of had its own little other genre that was going on at the yeah, same one, time. One was a war film, one was a spy film. Yeah, absolutely. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, and then you have like Logan and it's this like really intense, emotional, almost like coming of age family drama. Um, so I feel like that's part of the reason, at least. What, what do you think? 
So movie historian JR has thought about this a lot. And there's actually no, no, there's actually a really interesting sort of meta look at what superheroes do in the American consciousness. And there are a number of scholars like uh, anthropologists and scholars of religion who compare the way we create and consume superhero content, but, you know, from comics to the TV shows to the films, right, all of it, uh, to the way a lot of ancient folks talked about uh, their pantheon of gods. So they talk about superheroes as modern mythology. They're how we uh, sort of project our fantasies of ourselves onto literally, in this case, a big screen. Um, so, yeah, you ha- think about Superman, the first superhero, right? What does Superman stand for, Allie? Um, justice. <laughs> it's truth, justice. Was, was that the right answer? Yeah, well, but his his whole tagline is truth, justice, and the American way. You know, um, Captain America, literally throughout the comics, like you have him in World War II where he's punching Hitler. But then by the time you get to Vietnam and you have this like unjust war, you have where he quits wearing the flag and starts going by nomad because he can like he's so American. He can't like wear the flag of a government that's being un-American in his eyes. Right. And so you have you have these ideas that superheroes project our ideal selves for us to watch and sort of live out these power fantasies. Um, The weird problem is you get the question of like, well, who gets to be in charge of these fantasies? So uh, how I'm guessing not very, but you're free to correct me. How closely do you follow the Punisher? Oh, not at all. (laughs) So what do you know about That's probably a failing about myself. Sounds great, but no, I don't know that much about it. What do you know about that character? Anything? Um, the Punisher. Actually, I'm just gonna take a guess. Okay, is great. the Punisher an antihero? He is. How did you know? Whoa. <laughs> okay, I'm psychic. That's why I read your Do mind you know via logo? Zoom. No. Um, I would love to be like, yes, totally, I have. But I, no. I can't really tell if I've seen this or if I've just seen a variety of skull logos. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, that's fair. So, the, yeah, the Punisher is an anti-hero. He, his family was killed by mobsters, and so then he becomes a vigilante. And he is uh, sort of unique in the MC and the Marvel universe because he ki- he just, like, summarily executes all of these people. He doesn't doesn't arrest them. He doesn't work with the police, blah, 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 blah. Um, now, as you can imagine, that character has gone through a lot of complicated uh, <clears throat> issues in the recent comics because of the way culture has changed in our feelings towards these sort of particularly white vigilantes. And Marvel recently changed the Punisher logo to something that looks kind of more like a demon skull because so many police officers and white supremacist groups were using the Punisher logo on all of their stuff. And so it had become this symbol of this like particular kind of extra legal force. And Marvel was like, Ooh, we don't love that. So they literally changed his logo to something that I think is like objectively worse like it's it's more complex and it just doesn't look as good but they they did that because a lot of these groups that sort of position themselves as like white like defenders of white america that were operating sometimes outside of the law because that's what it took 
uh, saw in this character a reflection of themselves. So that's kind of what I mean when I'm talking about like the way we mythologize ourselves, right? You get you have like actual neo Nazis who imagine themselves to be this anti hero, and it's like, no, you're actually just a neo Nazi, um, right? So that's that's I think that's where you see this sort of uh, superheroes as mythology go badly. Um, now, with that in mind, I wanted to ask: Do you have a favorite superhero movie? Mm, I actually, I really liked Logan. Okay. And I loved the Daredevil TV series. Okay. At least like the first season. Yeah. 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 Uh, so did you watch the second season with the Punisher? Oh, yes. <laughs> so that's the Punisher. <laughs> wow. It has been a while. And I have to say, just want to bring up one little point that we both forgot here. Part of the reason people watch superhero movies, the movies specifically, is because it's like hot body shirtless on screen. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and that's an important point, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The guy who plays Daredevil, he's really hot. Yeah. Charlie Cox. Love to have you on the show. Big fan, sir. Uh <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So it's tough. For, I would honestly say mine is probably either The Dark Knight uh the the batman movie starring heath ledger okay. joker or uh or maybe honestly uh into the spider-verse slash now across the spider-verse um those movies are just incredible and again i think the i think dark knight in particular does a lot of this like complicating the question of what we mean by superhero and and does a lot of picking at the mythology in a way that um it sort of walked so that spider-verse could run because I think what I loved about Spider-Verse so much is the way it flips the white power fantasy on its head by giving us a hero who's not white. And so it it ends up problematizing and complicating all of that. Uh, so, so let's talk about Across the Spider-Verse. Let's do a little bit of non-spoilery stuff for folks who maybe have not seen it yet, but still want to hear whether or not they think they should. And then let's, uh, let's do a little spoilery stuff. So Overall, non-spoilery thoughts, what were your expectations going into Spider-Verse and uh, across the Spider-Verse? And then what'd you think? All right. I loved the first one. Probably Across the Spider-Verse is my favorite superhero movie, but I wasn't sure if like we were going to count that yet for the yeah, last sure. category yeah, yeah, yeah. that we did. Yep. Um, I loved the first movie. It just, it has such a beautiful and unique animation style. Um, and I feel like watching the action play out on screen, every single thing scene, I was like, I, I can just tell the animators put so much of themselves and so much love into this and in experimenting and finding exactly what was right. So I had very high expectations going into Across the Spider-Verse and I, it it met them. I was a little nervous because it is over two hours long. And just looking at that, I was like, I don't know if it needs to be like that. Because the first film definitely didn't need to be and wasn't that long. Uh, but totally met my expectations. I will definitely be giving this movie a few rewatches uh, while we wait for the third to get come out. Uh, so yeah, I I loved it. Same. Uh, I, literally, I'm just going to repeat everything you just said. Into the Spider-Verse was innovative in so many amazing ways i mean it's it's rare in the cinema that i put my butt in a chair and then on the screen i see something i've genuinely never seen before 
you know, the the first Matrix movie happened like that for me. Gravity, Alfonso Cuaron's Gravity, that happened for me. I'd even say something like Endgame, like that, or like the first Avengers when they all team up, like that was, you know. And then, yeah, this, the animation styles uh, were so fearless uh, and, and it was so seamless and the whole story was great. So, yes, like you, high hopes um, uh, against my will, high expectations, because I was like, I just don't want to be crushed. And then I like my expectations were exceeded. It was just incredible. Uh, they they somehow took everything they did in the first movie and pushed it even further without sacrificing story. In fact, uh, in, in many ways, building on the story they told in the first one and making it more difficult and more complicated, which is what it should do. Um, devastating cliffhanger, the way all good second films in a trilogy should, right? I don't know if it was quite Luke, I am your father levels of devastating, but it was pretty close. Um, yeah, so uh, definitely sounds like from both of us, four thumbs up, go see it ASAP. Uh, now, who is your favorite new spider person punk rock spider-man has my heart as i think i think a lot of people punk rock spider-man has their heart yeah i uh i was really afraid that he was going to be a joke because they even point out like well but you're with the team like you're so anti-establishment like you're working with the established you know all this kind of stuff and then the way they worked that I think was really satisfying um in in some good ways I also I really even though he's the main villain of the film I loved what they did with Spider-Man 2099 I thought that was a really interesting um take on him that I'm sure we're going to get more of in the third film uh this was really really good yeah um okay so I do want to talk about spoilers because I know we're running out of time um but what so so here spoiler warning you've been warned spoilers past this point you haven't seen it yet you should go in unspoiled okay one of the reasons that i loved this movie so much was because of what i was talking about earlier right you, you have this superhero power fantasy where um essentially the superheroes uphold and maintain the status quo right um with the rare exceptions like the captain america nomad thing that i mentioned the superheroes are not going against the establishment um, even Batman, who is famously sort of a vigilante outside the law, has like he works with Commissioner Gordon, right? Batman, Bruce Wayne's not out there trying to abolish the police and this kind of stuff, right? Like, so, so the superheroes, despite all of their wealth and despite their commitment to, and their power and their commitment to do things, are not trying to fundamentally change the status quo of society. They're trying to maintain it. And that's why, listeners, the Pentagon supports uh, with their money so many superhero movies. Hey, they see them as military recruitment films. So you should think about that anyway um you have this movie which is about the establishment and it's about a kid who a kid who because of the way they've built the system doesn't fit into the system right it's all about the canon and who's in charge of the canon and how look some people have to be sacrificed for the sake of the canon and that that's we're sorry we all feel bad about it but like what are we supposed to do like not have the you know not have the system and then you have this kid who says no like a system that's built on excluding people or a system that's built on the death of certain innocents is maybe not a system that should be there in the first place. And um, I, I was just incredibly provoked by that, that, that what it's doing is turning the superheroes into the bad guys. So that bit right before uh, Spider-Man 2099 sends Gwen back to her universe and like grounds her or whatever, she says, we're supposed to be the good guys. 
you know, and you realize, oh yeah, like, like they've, you know, they've become the villains. And again, I was just struck by how you can't really do that with Peter Parker. You know, you need a Miles Morales to be able to make that critique stick. And it actually reminded me, we Blue Beetle's not coming out till the end of the summer, but I assume you've seen the Blue Beetle trailer. Yeah, I have. So the the stinger line at the very end of the trailer is where he's looking at all the stuff and he says, oh, this stuff is like, like Batman uses a lot of stuff. And his dad says, Batman is a fascist. And again, it's like, oh yeah, Robbie Reyes is a Latino, right? He's not a white guy. And so you get, you like, you get these by bringing in these people who literally embody a, people that are pushed out of the system, right? It allows for this like really interesting critique of the larger idea of what counts as a superhero. And I'm now I'm nervous for the third Spider-Man film. Like, are they going to pay this off? Right. Like what does happen if Miles breaks the cannon and saves his dad? You know, what does happen if Gwen saves her dad? Like, is it possible for the system? Is it possible to imagine a better system than than one that thrives on the exploitation of, of innocence? Well, and what they were hinting at at the end of the film, um, which all great points, by the way, was that uh, Spot is the reason that all of the captains have been dying throughout all of Spider-Verse time, um, which is such a like nice turnaround from spot being kind of the villain of the week um and like watching him grow in power throughout the film um and it's also really exciting for the third film because now we have this entire movie that's built up what a challenging villain spot is going to be to destroy um i got through like three quarters of the way of film number two and i was like oh this is gonna be a cliffhanger it's like we have been sitting here too long for the movie to be where it is right now. Well, and yeah, and there's too much, like you said, there's too much plot in a great way, right? Not yeah. a not a critique of like, oh, this movie has too much plot. No, there's too much plot to land that plane successfully in the time we have left, right? There wasn't enough runtime runway left to to get that plane down believably. And yeah, it was just you could feel like once the reveal of other miles comes up and and all this kind of stuff, you could feel like, oh no. Oh no, oh no. And then like our whole theater was like <laughs> when the to, to be continued popped up. <laughs> what I heard in that was like, we will sit here for three more hours. Give us the rest of the story. You know, no, yes. no one was ready to go. <laughs> so yeah, I uh I don't know. I'm just maybe I'm at a place in my life where I just see all of the systems that push people out and reject people and claim it's it's for their own good and for the greater good and i love that we're getting a superhero who instead of maintaining and authorizing that like in man of steel where it's like well yeah sometimes you got to kill the guy because there's no other way right or in uh many of the marvel movies where the terrorists are just like faceless bad guys we can eradicate with our missiles um we get a film that's saying like maybe if we're really going to take the super part of this seriously, we need to do better. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it makes me hopeful that we're getting a different kind of mythology. Um, so yeah. Any, anything else you want to add about Spider-Verse? Yeah. <clears throat> I think that part of what makes Spider-Verse work so well is that not only is the film, like the story of it saying like, what if we <clears throat> do something else? What if we do something better? Um, the way they put the film together also echoes that, oh, which just 
hammers the point home mm-hmm. and I think gives the movie this layer of authenticity that otherwise honestly it might be lacking the movie does not feel hollow because there's this art style that all of the kind of leading animation studios haven't tried doing yet so the filmmakers saying what if we tried doing something differently um and even the music in the film the way that they use that um I honestly I don't think music is often used in that way to punctuate what's going on with I mean you get to the end of the movie I think there's like 30 different themes there is so much music in this movie um so yeah I feel like for me the film wouldn't have worked as well had the artists not worked so hard to say we're going to do something different yeah absolutely absolutely all right well We could probably keep talking about this, and I'm sure we'll have another superhero episode. Um, But for right now, JR, you're done. I'm done. We're done. And we'll see you all next week.